Hello and welcome back. This is a continuation of episode 11, which is the reading of my book, Home Birth. It's not just for hippies, it's for the informed. Informed. It is written and read by me, Melody, and here we go. Uh, this chapter is a pretty long chapter, so we're just doing one chapter today. This is chapter 8, What's the Deal with C-Sections? Now remember, I wrote this book about 2010-ish, 12-ish, and um, C-sections to me were the most craziest thing that so many women were opting to do. So I really had to do some research on this. So I'm going to kind of edit this chapter as I read it because I was, I was reading it earlier and I was like, wow, this, a lot of this is kind of boring for people or they really don't need all this information. So um, the... The origin of C-section has been distorted over time. It's commonly believed to derive from a surgical birth of Julius Caesar. Caesar. It seems untrue because in that time, C-sections were only performed when the mother was dead. And Julius's mother, Aurelia, is said to have been alive when Julius invaded Britain. However, Roman law under Caesar decreed that all women who died during childbirth must be cut open and hence the assumption. For those that don't know, a cesarean section, also known as a C-section, is a surgical procedure in which incisions are made through a mother's abdomen and uterus to deliver one or more babies, and one in three American women have one when giving birth. As I looked into this, I wanted to see how we explain this number since history proves C-sections should only be done as a very last resort. It's not like getting a pedicure. Here's the excuse. Health professionals and journalists like to point the finger at the mothers. Yep, it's our fault, but not for long, because with this book, we will have the tools to change this number. Doctors are saying more and more women who are too posh to push, asking for C-sections with no medical reasons. They are also trying to say the number of women who are genuinely needing a C-section is increasing. Neither appears to be the quote-unquote real reason for such a high number as one in three. A 2005 U.S. study done by Childbirth Connections National Listening to Mothers did a poll asking women about having their C-sections. When mothers that had had a C-section were asked why it happened and who initiated it, just one woman among nearly 1,600 surveyed participants reported that she had planned the first C-section with no medical reason and at her own request. Those who have looked at this question in other countries have found similar results. In fact, one quarter of listening to mother survey participants who had cesareans reported that they had experienced pressure from a health professional to have a cesarean. This is also true when I asked my peers. Every single mom I asked that was giving birth in 2010 has said that it was put in their face at one point during labor. The other common blame to the ludicrous amount of C-sections is the population of childbearing women and factors such as older women that have developed medical conditions and more women with multiple births. Granted, there are some overall changes in this population, but researchers have found that cesarean section rates are going up for all women giving birth, no matter the age, the number of babies they are having, the extent of health problems, their race, or anything else. Bottom line, C-sections are so okay with the public that there is an increasing willingness on the part of the professionals to do them every single day. 
Please realize only 5% of women generally need actual intervention. Until the 16th and 17th centuries, this highly popular procedure was known as a cesarean operation. This began to change following the publication in 1598 of, I'm going to spell this because I'm not really good at names, J Jacks, J-A-C-Q-U-E-S, and his last name is G-U-I-L-L-I-M-E-A-U, book on midwifery, which he introduced the term section. Increasingly thereafter, section replaced operation. The first written record we have of a mother and baby surviving a cesarean section was in 1500. A Switzerland swine gelder, Jacob Neufer, performed this operation on his wife, Miss Neufer. They had a dozen midwives from the Swiss town she lived in. They had to tend to her for days with no sign of the baby. Facing the likelihood of losing mother and child, and in the absence of any surgeons, Miss Neufer's husband decided to cut her open and extricate his offspring. Woof! At this time, there had been no known incident of a woman surviving such a procedure. The couple said that they were assumed to be their last goodbyes before Jacob Neufer made his first incision. It turned out mother and baby lived. It would be nice to say this had something to do with Miss Neufer's constitution on or her husband's skill with a knife. It was almost certainly because Miss Neufer's pregnancy was extreme, a freakish rare form of gestation in which the baby grows outside the womb. In this case, probably the abdomen. Had, had the baby been inside the uterus as normal, Miss Neufer would have bled to death when the uterine wall was breached. Miss Neufer lived and later gave birth normally to five more children, including twins. The cesarean baby lived to be 77 years old. Since this story was not recorded until 82 years later, historians question its accuracy. While some contest the accuracy of the story, Miss Neufer is generally accepted as the world's first complete successful cesarean or C-section. As I said earlier, reasons for necessary C-sections has changed dramatically from ancient to modern times. Even though history had rare references to the operation on living women, and the initial purpose of a C-section was to retrieve the infant from a dead or dying mother to either save the baby's life or commonly required by religious edicts so that the infant could be buried separately from the mother. Most important, all it was was a measure of a last resort, and the operation was not intended to preserve the mother's life. Until the 19th century, then the possibility really came within grasp of the medical profession. In the 1900s, with all the new interventions like ether and forceps and C-sections on the table, it was still said that the most respected doctor at the time, Dr. D. Lee, that C-sections were not the way to go. And that's in his own words. And this is in quotes. The increasing tendency to perform cesareans section is to be condemned. There are too many of these operations being done by those who do not know how to do them or to discover reasons of their necessity, end quote. Birth in America is very interesting. Once you begin to peel the layers of fear and truly understand how birth got this way. Dealey, he was a pioneer of intervening. Doctors took his methods and upgraded. It's a plain evolution that we went from pulling a baby out 
by their head. Oh, that just kills me. To just pulling them directly out of the mother's uterus. When a process has been so effed up from the start, it just gets worse. I used to be a little more feisty back in my 30s. So yeah, I did put the F word in there. But if I was to rewrite this, I would take that word out. But it is so messed up, you guys. I This is just like a side note here. Like, I, you know, wrote this book over 10 years ago now. And I have seen so many women that don't even want to have a second child because the first was so traumatic. And I am not berating anybody who's had a C-section because that's not the point of this. The point is education. The point is to know, is that necessary? And can we re-educate the future, you know? Do we really believe that this intervention was a necessary intervention or was it because what I had previously said, it's one thing that leads to another, uh, that, that makes this a necessity that has to happen. And if I hadn't said that yet, I might be getting there. I don't know. Um, but I'm pretty sure in another chapter, I talked about the progression of, you know, the Pitocin to how we get to the cesarean. It's just, and if not, it's in this chapter. Uh, Cause I do vaguely remember writing about that. So um, where was I? So birth in America, I'm just going to read this over again, uh, is very interesting. Once you begin to peel the layers of fear and truly understand how it got this way, D. Lee was the pioneer of intervening. Doctors took his methods and upgraded. It's a plain evolution that went from pulling a baby out by her head to just pulling them directly out of the mother's uterus. When a process has been so beep up from the beginning, it just gets worse. Now I'm going to tell you a few stories. Valerie, 35, and Melissa, 28, were friends who taught at the same grade school in Avon, New Jersey, and died two weeks apart in the spring of 2007 after delivering their firstborns. Both healthy girls planned C-sections at Underwood Memorial Hospital in Woodbury, New Jersey. When they died solely as a result of their C-sections isn't clear, or whether, sorry, they died solely as a result from their C-section isn't clear. The Philadelphia Inquirer reported that Farah's death certificate said she died of shock, and this is in quotes, due to bleeding and anemia. A C-section is a major surgery, and when a C-section is necessary, it can be life-saving technique for both the mother and the infant. However, they are not being done just to save lives. C-sections are being performed like it's getting a haircut or pedicure. C-sections have risen in the recent years from one in five deliveries a decade ago to one in three. The WHO, who's BS by the way, but anyways, they still say this back then, that no region in the world is justified in having a C-section rate greater than 10 to 15%. However, in 1989, 20 years ago, when C-section was were way less frequent than today, the C-section rate in the U.S. was 23.8%. In 2007, the number went up to 31.8. This rise is because doctors and like the predictability of C-sections. They're faster, neater, and generally simpler than vag vaginal births and less likely to lead to expensive malpractice lawsuits. Okay, I'm going to pause here real quick and look up what the C-section percentage is in America in 2023. I'll be right back. Okay, so from all the data I can find, this is kind of cool. The C-section rates had decreased, and then they just went up 4% from 2019 to 2021. 
And I think a lot more women, at least from what I'm seeing, are having more and more home births, which is so cool compared to when I had mine 15 years ago, people were like, she's nuts. Now it's not so nuts, which is really cool to see. Um, but anyways, back to the book. Sadly, there are an estimated 3% of women that actually request to have a C-section for the convenience or to avoid the pain of labor, but the rest of us prefer to give birth the natural way. That's 3%. That's not that many people. We could totally change this number. That's a side note right there. Besides the quote-unquote convenience, why are first-time mothers increasingly increasingly requesting C-sections when they don't need them? Eugene, a professor of maternal and child health at Boston University, says he suspects more doctors are recommending them at their patient and their patients are reluctant to disagree. For example, and this is his last name, D-E-C-L-E-R-C-Q. So Eugene, Eugene, and that's his last name, says a doctor might say, and this is in quotes, and I've heard this so many times, the baby's looking kind of big. We could do a a cesarean. I'm just going to start saying C-section because I don't say cesarean right for some reason. OBGYN Peter Bernstein of Montefiore Medical Center, and I probably said that wrong, in New York, says some doctors encourage patients to schedule C-sections because they think they are less likely to be sued than if they perform a vaginal delivery. To me, all that says is birth is not about the mother. It's a risk to a doctor. So it's all about them covering their ass so they won't get sued. How do we get to this point when talking about bringing life into the world? So I asked this question to my peers. Did you have a C-section? What were the reasons given to you if you did? This is a written response I received from one woman. I had an emergency C-section with my firstborn. I went to the hospital for the second time in labor. They sent me home the first time I went in, and I was hooked up to fetal heart monitors. His heart rate was a little slow, so they inserted the epidural. I waited for my feet to get numb and turn on my side, which was supposed to help the baby's heart rate. That's in parentheses. Then the doctors and nurses left the room, and I fell asleep until I started feeling these sharp pains in my back. I was afraid to turn over because of the needle, so I pushed the nurse button. She came in. And I told her something was pinching in my side. She said, oh, it's not pinching. I love how they try to tell you you're not feeling what you're feeling. It's like, I want to push. No, you can't. That one drives me nuts. Sorry. Uh, Going off a little bit. It's just pressure. That's what the nurse told this lady. I told her it wasn't pressure as I lay there gasping in pain. So she called the doctor. There had been a shift change while I was sleeping and the new doctor turned me out to my back. He asked how long I had been laying like that, and I told him about four hours. He was shocked and called the nurse to see if I was correct. She said I was. He then explained that what had happened is that they had left me too long on my side, so the epidural medicine had all gone to just one side of her spinal cord, causing me to feel contractions on the opposite side. He then checked the heart monitor tape and saw my son's heart rate had been steadily dropping during that four hours. With every contraction, my son's heart rate went from about 130 beats per second to around 50 beats per second, or per minute, sorry, not second. The doctor decided we needed an emergency C-section. With my second daughter, my my second child, my daughter, it was my choice. 
I felt that for her to have the best chance to be as healthy as possible and to avoid the risk of being caught in a separated muscle, I should go C-section. The second one was much smoother than the first. No complications there. Her story is all too common. Doctors use the baby's heart rate to scare the mother into something she doesn't need. The scare tactic is very popular with doctors. Look at the process she was put through. No wonder she had two C-sections. She wasn't even given a chance the first time and was too scared the second time. The epidural she was given to quote-unquote help made the heart rate slow down for her baby. Then she fell asleep and she was in the middle of hard labor. How are you supposed to get a baby out like that? Not only did she have two major surgeries, one by choice, she said she couldn't complain about the second one. Her daughter had antibiotic treatments every three hours for the first 30 minutes for three days. And after mom was cut open for the second time, she had no idea if all her organs were in the designated spots. Shouldn't that be a complaint? Not in America, not in this birthing world. A doctor told her the second time she might want a C-section because of a separated muscle that could kill the baby. Most of us have no idea what that is, but it sounds really bad. I looked it up and found during pregnancy, many women experience separation of their stomach muscles, known as diastasis recti. This condition occurs when the main abdominal, abdom, I'm not even going to, I'm not even pausing it right there. You know what I'm saying? Muscles called the rectus abdominis begin to pull apart. The left and right side of the muscles separate, leaving a gap in between. Separated muscles do not tear or rupture, so little pain is involved. Towards the end of the pregnancy, it is normal for the two abdomen, abd, how come I can't say that word right now? Abdominal, there we go, muscles to separate, allowing your belly to accommodate your growing baby. Most women are unaware of the separation happening, although some will feel discomfort the last weeks of pregnancy, usually a stretching or splitting sensation, which generally, generally eases within a few days. Only if the baby is born premature, you may not experience an abdominal, abdominal, geez, Louise, Mel, muscle separation. So I have to say I've had two babies and I didn't experience them. And both my babies were rather small. So maybe that's why, but uh, they were not premature. They were born right at 37 weeks. Um, so that's not considered premature. Both of them were born at home. I was the second one. I was in my late middle forties and my first one, I was in my thirties. Uh, so it's possible no matter what age you are. My kids are 14 years apart and I did my second one was better than my first. So it's not about age, ladies. It's not about age. I'll tell you that right now. Back to the book. That was a little side note from your author, Melody. <laughs> okay. In a cesarean birth, the surgeon would need to pull these abdominal... <laughs> I almost want to cut all of this and just redo it with the right abdominal word but I'm not going to because this gives it a little bit of character. And I've had to, for some reason, I'm tongue-tied with saying C-section so much. So I have had to cut this episode a thousand times. And then matter of fact, this is my second time recording it because I tried to record it last Saturday and it didn't work out. So we are trucking along. I want to get this information out and I just, I just get to keep going. Okay, there we go. Here we go. 
In a C-section birth, the surgeon would need to pull these abdominal muscles to each side in order to access the uterus and deliver the baby. Instead of telling her that is totally normal condition with pregnant women, even if they've never had a C-section, he tells her BS about how this condition can kill her baby. The helpful, and I put that in quotes, doctor filled her head with the death of life she had growing inside. The death of her infant scared her into thinking she was doing a safer thing by cutting and pulling her muscles apart again. Her daughter did not make it out of the womb safe either. She inhaled her first poop, which is called meconium, during the C-section. If you've ever had it, this is again a side note. If you've ever had a baby, you know what meconium is. It's like that tar, the first poop. It's made up of the fluids, the bile, skin cells. It begins to collect in the baby's intestines. And then when the baby comes out, after a few hours, it poops this meconium for their first poop. It's like getting their their whole little system going. It's it's uh, supposed to work like that anyways. But this, a lot of babies, they get stressed out and they poop during that stress in the womb and then they end up inhaling that poop and then they have lung issues when they're born. Not only that, having a baby vaginally squeezes out all the water out of the baby's lungs. Like God did this all for a reason. He didn't do it so we could just cheat our way out of it. Same thing with the vaccines. Like he didn't say, hey, I'm, I spent nine months growing this baby inside your womb for you to, I didn't do it right though. So why don't you go ahead and give them some heavy metals and some aborted fetal tissue and a bunch of other stuff to start their life out, you know, because they might be shooting up some heroin. So give them that, that hep B and vitamin K shots. It's like the most ridiculous, we need to take birth back, ladies. We really, really do. And it starts with you because we hire these doctors. They, they work for us. Okay. So we got to we got to start to remind them of that as we go into our appointments. If we're too scared to have home births, you know, be like, okay, well, question everything, write it down, question it, look it up, go back and be like, ah, uh, uh-uh. you know, I don't know. That's just my, that's my opinion, but I'm sticking to it. Okay. One more thing. If you've never seen the documentary of bit that it's called business of being born, I think Ricky Lake did it because she had a home birth as well back in the day. And you need to watch it because this is a business of birth. It's, you know how much money was made in that C-section? Not only, you know, complications arise in there in the NICU. And then, I mean, that tab goes up, ding, 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 ding. I paid for my midwife out of pocket. I think it was $2,500. I paid over the nine months of pregnancy each time she came for a one month appointment. And, um, all my appointments were done at home. I mean, it was just the most amazing thing. I'm talking about 2021. You know, I didn't want to go to office where everybody's wearing masks and all that crap. I want, I was so thankful to have all my appointments at home. It's such a beautiful experience. Okay. Back to the book. The pains of childbirth have been widely exaggerated for so long in the minds of American women due to the irresponsible allusions to the dangers of labor. Magazine articles have gone so far to advocate C-sections as the only humane method of delivery. For the women I've talked to and the birthing shows I've seen on TV, most women agree that they had to have a C-section. And that's in quotes. The reason why the baby's heart rate's dropping so the terrified, exhausted mother is off to get her belly and other major organs ripped open. Mothers are rarely ever told this is major surgery. It's not like pulling a tooth. It's much worse. And the chances of risk to the mother may be increased with every C-section. What type of risk, you may ask? Well... C-section births, as I said before, are a major surgery, and with any other surgical procedures, risks are involved. 
the estimated risk of a woman dying after C-section is less than one in 2,500. The risk of death after vaginal birth is less than one in 10,000. Risks to a mother include infection to the uterus of a nearby pelvic organ, such as the bladder kidneys, increased blood loss, loss on the average about twice as much with a cesarean birth as with vaginal. The bowel sometimes slows down for several days after surgery, resulting in distension, bloating, and discomfort. Also, respiratory complications can occur due to general anesthesia or other medications during the surgery, which can sometimes lead to pneumonia. There is also longer hospital stays and recovery time, and you end up staying at the hospital three to five days. It's less than one to three days for vaginal births. Mothers also risk additional surgeries, for example, hysterectomy or bladder repair. And I can't believe I used to watch Oprah, but this is what I, <laughs> this is what I wrote next. I was watching Oprah. I, I, I despise that woman now. And if you don't know why, you should look up some stuff. Go down the rabbit hole, y'all. Go down the Oprah rabbit hole. Maybe we'll do a podcast about her next week. I was watching Oprah not long after the birth of my daughter. She did a show, quote, Mother Warriors. So that's the name of the show. One guest was a wonderful, strong woman who in August of 2007 gave birth in a hospital via C-section. Hours after her daughter was born, she began running a fever. No one was concerned at, the fir at first, so she just figured it was hormones. But three days later, the fever hadn't broke and her abdomen was swollen and painful. Turns out she contracted a flesh-eating bacteria. Defining the odds, she survived, but many of her organs didn't. The doctors removed her uterus, her ovaries, her gallbladder, and part of her colon in the same day. Within four weeks, her infection had restricted the blood flow to her arms and legs. Her nurses cleaned her limbs every day, and she knew they were trying to keep her from seeing the damage. Eventually, doctors told her they had to amputate both arms and both legs. Oh, my God. You know what? I just realized she never got to hold her baby. I mean, maybe she did right after that C-section, but after they took her arms. Wow. Oh, I just got goosebumps reading that again. Imagine life is good. You're pregnant. You go to have your baby, something that should be the most natural thing you've ever done. You guys realize that we've been doing this since the beginning of time, right? Giving birth on our own, Adam and Eve, no doctors, right? And then all of a sudden we need them. I, I just still don't get it. Uh, okay. Uh, the whole time I watched the show, I couldn't help but think, I bet this wouldn't have happened if she'd given birth at home, but not once was she asked about the C-sections <laughs> and how they were out of control in this country and the odds of women having one. Instead, the hospital saved her life. So they again were praising the hospitals that thank God they were there. After the amputation, she spent two months in the hospital where she underwent a total of 37 surgeries with more to come. Elective C-sections are also pose a serious risk to our newborns and should have every pregnant woman on high alert. Risks to the baby include premature birth if the due date was not accurately calculated. The baby could be delivered too early. A study published in New England Journal of Medicine found that babies delivered via C-sections before the 39th week of pregnancy were most likely to have breathing problems that require a ventilator and infections and low blood sugar. There's nothing new in that finding. Previous studies have shown the same thing, which is why the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists recommend against scheduling C-sections more than a week before the woman's due date. 
What's highly troubling, though, is that 30% of more than 2,400 elective C-sections studied were done before 39 weeks, regarding, disregarding the ACOG's guidelines. It's <laughs> just mind-blowing. Researchers also pointed out that babies born via C-section, even when delivered on their due dates, are at increased risk of respiratory problems, especially if they're delivered before a woman goes into labor. This could be because certain stress hormones released by, right before and during labor help a baby with their lungs. Many doctors are reluctant to even allow a woman to go into labor if they know she's going to have a C-section. How do these doctors sleep at night? All this risk to mothers and babies. The reason most women are giving is an unsafe heart rate. So why is the heart rate dropping to dangerous levels in the first place? It is never mentioned that the cause of the baby's dropping heart rate in the first place is due to the drugs given to the laboring mother. Let's do a labor scenario. You're in labor in the hospital. You're given a controversial drug, Pitocin, to help you out with your contractions. But Pitocin is different from your body's natural contractions in strength and effect. Once Pitocin is given to a woman, she has to be a superwoman not to ask for an epidural to relieve the pain of the abnormal and close together contractions she is now having. The beauty of labor is the contractions are getting you closer and closer to having your baby. Once we feel we can't take it anymore, guess what? The baby's here. Instead of an epidural, all you need is some positive support. Most of all women will want an epidural at one point, but is it worth it? I bet some of you are like, hell yeah, it is. Maybe for your selfish ass, but what about your baby? Crackhead moms and drug addict mothers are looked down upon. Why is it okay to give your baby narcotics under a doctor's supervision? Ever wonder how epidural came about? In 1898, a German doctor, August Bayer, injected some cocaine into his, assistant, his assistant's spinal column. It numbed his lower body, but the next morning he woke up with a hor horrible vomiting and headaches. Apparently, 80 years later, we decided it's safe for pregnant women. In the 1970s, when epidurals were first widely used, the, the numbing agent lidocaine was dripped into a tube inserted by a needle into a woman's spinal column. The bad news? The, the procedure numbed a woman to her chest, causing breathing and difficulties and sometimes heart problems. The method got further refined as doctors learned that the needles had to be smaller so that less spinal fluid would leak from the dura, the thin membrane that surrounds the spinal cord and the brain. Today, epidural anesthesia is the most popular means for pain relief during labor. Over 50% of women ask for and use epidural than any other method of pain relief. The injection can cause both loss of sensation and loss of pain by blocking the transmission of signals through the nerves in or near the spinal cord. This may cause your blood pressure to suddenly drop. For this reason, your blood pressure will be routinely checked to make sure there is adequate blood flow to your baby. If there is not adequate blood flow, you may need to be treated with IV fluids, medications, and oxygen for your baby. It is like placing a plastic bag around their head for approximately five minutes. I've heard nurses even joke about it. When a woman's asked for an epidural, they say, did you do, and this is in quotes, and I heard this from a nurse, you guys, I'm not making this up. I heard this from a nurse that worked at a university hospital. Did you put the plastic bag? Did you do the plastic bag yet? That's the quotes. Did you do the plastic bag yet? So the epidural helped the pain of the abnormal contractions due to the Pitocin, but it slows or stops the progress of labor. 
Most likely you need more Pitocin to make the labor start again. Meanwhile, your baby's in distress and you are now the one in three. Because of all the side effects of drugs, hospitals constantly monitor both, both baby and mother's heartbeats. To do this, mothers are now restrained to a bed, which is not a good way to labor. In the 70s, the fetal monitor began to be used in hospitals, and guess what? C-sections went up with it. The routine use of electronic fetal monitors compared to the old-fashioned method of listening to baby's heartbeat after contraction with a fetoscope, that's the way they did it with me, may actually cause more problems than it prevents. The fetal heart monitor has been evaluated by prospective, randomized, and controlled trials involving more than 55,000 infants. We have the complete understanding now that there is no improvement in outcomes due to this in technology. In fact, according to the New England Journal of Medicine, March 7th, 1996, volume 334, number 10, quote, the only clinical significant benefit from the routine use of EFM was the reduction of needle-natal seizures, the rate of in-partum and needle-natal death, short-term morbidity and long-term mobility, including cerebral palsy, were similar whether the fetal heart rate had been monitored continuously or intermittently. Recently, I visited a friend in her early 30s who just had a baby via C-section. She had two other kids vaginally and thought this one would be no different. She had, by all accounts, a good doctor with low C-section rates. Yet why this time? Was a C-section necessary? In her words, she had a C-section because, in quotes, my daughter was not fitting in my birth canal. I had a lip on my cervix that would not dilate even after my doctor stuck his whole hand up there and tried to push it. She spent four hours trying to dilate from a nine to a 10, changing positions, but due to her daughter not putting pressure on her cervix, it wouldn't dilate and, the and her daughter would not descend. Her heart rate and her daughter's heart rate were not staying where they felt it was safe to continue. So back then, I had no idea what a lip on the cervix was, so I looked it up. And I'm not going to read all of it because if I rewrite this book, it this is kind of boring. But the bottom line is, it's kind of like a fat lip on the top of your cervix. And it happens when the baby's not positioned correctly coming out. So, the not, so there's not equal pressure on the entire cervix. So when this occurs, many doctors, they have the temptation to treat the symptoms such as her doctor did and be like, oh, I'm going to just manhandle and push that thing out of the way. Well... That's just, that's not, that's not a good way to do it. Okay. So basically you need to let, let go, like get in your head, be like, I need to let go. There's some acupuncture points you can push on your lower back right above the buttocks that will help open that up. Um, so much of birth is in our head more than I can explain. It is our mind controls the rest of it. So your mind's full of fear. Your body's going <clears> to, <throat> you're free, you're flowing, you're, you know, read up, read books that help you with that mindset because it's so important during birth and more than I can, I should hopefully, I hope I did. I think I did write a whole chapter about that, how the, how important your mind is, right? And having a good support person also is important. Um, but as I said, the idea of, and now I'm going back to the book. This, this idea of letting go is so important in any labor. It's equally important to remember that the uterus is extremely competent at working the head down into the pelvis at the appropriate speed and angle if given the opportunity to do so. My friend, in my opinion, was robbed of her birth experience. She tried so hard to get and she was so close to having. Her problem, in quotes, could have been fixed if given proper guidance. 
But instead of the doctor telling her, it's not a big deal, just a little longer, you'll be ready, try these pressure points, he instead stuck his whole hand in her vag and tried to push it open. I'm sure that did no good whatsoever to her state of mind. Then she was given four more hours, just assuming, but I bet the doc was ready to go home. My friend had problems with epidural so much that they had to knock her completely out during her C-section. She was so determined to have a natural birth. She and her husband went to great birthing classes, but still she was the one in three. It just proves that having a great birthing class will help, but not enough to have a natural birth in a hospital with a surgeon in charge. The doctors gave her plenty of good reasons why this happened and why she will need a C-section if she decides to have more kids. Chances are she is so scared now she will never think of having a home birth for her next child. She wants the next child she wants to have. Oh man, so hard for me because I love babies so much and it's hard for me to know so many women go through this every single day. Oh, here I mentioned that documentary. On the documentary, the business being born, one doctor said there is a peak in C-sections at four in the afternoon and 10 at night. Why? Because doctors want to go home. So they give the good old heart rates dropping routine they use every day in American hospitals. This madness is happening all over America to smart, well-educated women. And there is little complaint afterwards. Women think they did the only thing they could do because that is what they are being told by the doctor they trust. Society fears home birth so much we go to the hospital to give birth instead of seeing the no-brainer truth that hospitals are killing women and children for money all over America. Women think they're lucky to have a doctor scaring the shit out of them. I think it's bullshit doctors come into the delivery room and start using medical terms most people have no idea what they're talking about, but it sounds bad, so we trust them, and we shouldn't. My question for the medical world is this. Why don't we... Why... Don't we have to worry about getting pregnant in the first place after a C-section? And if the C-section does cause higher risk to pregnancy in the future, why are they be being performed one in three births? What do most doctors really care about? Money and not being sued or babies and mothers? To have a hospital birth is putting a baby and mother in great danger of things going way off course. And before you can blink, you are the one in three mothers having major surgery. If you want to have more kids, you will be highly advised to be cut open again to prevent a uterine rupture. It will not be mentioned that for almost 10 years, hospital caused uterine ruptures and VBACs. A VBAC is a vaginal birth after C-section by inducing labor with a drug called Cytotec. And this is spelled C-Y-T-O-T-E-C. If the job was done right, meaning they sewed you upright, there should be no reason you can't deliver the next baby vaginally, right? Every woman, 20-something and older I've talked to who have had C-sections are told that next time will be the same, they are, and they are totally fine with that. And why? Do you realize how risky it is to give birth that way? American women play the fool with our children and our own lives just because some doctor gave some poor advice. We are very trusting of that bad advice, and it is our parents' duty to start asking questions of doctors and nurses and not let them tell us what we are capable of doing and what is going to happen. I cringe every time I hear a pregnant woman say, I'm going in for a C-section, like it's just okay. We as women have come so far in this country, we can vote in most cases and are treated equal to men. We have always fought to be heard, and now is the time to fight for our babies and ourselves. Only women can stop the money train that revolves around birth. 
We can take back our power and our bodies, minds, and birth of our children. We can start to share our awesome birth stories. Birth should not be major surgery. We should not just stand in the dark when the control is in our hands. Women are so powerful when it comes to birth. We have more power than we give ourselves credit for. We let the doctors tell us what we're capable of. And I hear the same thing time and time again. The doctor said I wasn't dilating fast enough. The doctor said I had to. The doctor said I needed that drug. And the kicker of them all, I wasn't trying to be a hero. Well, let me tell you, ladies, you are heroes. If you had the choice to have your baby in a manner that was spiritually amazing, would you? Well, I have good news. You can. Most of you can. It is up to the majority to take home birth and make it normal again. In doing this, C-section rates will change in our country. A C-section is not over after it's complete. It will affect the rest of your life and the future of your child's life. If people were truly educated about childbirth, women wouldn't be scared of the miracle of birth anymore. Your child is only born once and it can be the best experience of your life if you choose. Birth can make you as a woman feel like you can do anything life throws at you. Staying far, far away from a hospital will most likely be the best thing you can do for your birth experience. All right, that is the end of that chapter. And that again is my opinion. And uh, you do not have to have the same opinion. And that is totally fine with me. Have a blessed day. God loves you. And most importantly, he loves your babies.